the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by the rock kicker himself, Rotographs contributor Howard Bender. Today we have a very special surprise, followed by a discussion of all things catcher. But first, as always, we are going to start off with the most interesting player alive today, and that's David Price. And that really isn't a surprise. It's Yesterday, he had uh, a poor showing, or I think that was Friday, actually. But he had a poor showing out in Coors Field. His ERA right now stands at 625 with a 148 whip, only one win. Howard, is David Price an ultimate by low, or is he somebody that you're kind of staying away from and really worried about? Um, you know, I mean, I've kind of taken a look at some of his numbers and, and you know, kind of tried to take a look at his starts and, and break them down really as far as, I mean, how, how much really is he struggling? I mean, you know, the last outing, I mean, it's nine earned runs in just under seven innings. But, I mean, he's had a couple of outings, you know, previously before that, that I think he's been fine on. I mean, you know, he's given up some more home runs than he should be. Um, I think there are a lot of big-time starters that are, that are struggling right now. So I think that this would be the perfect time to buy low on price. I mean, I love this kid. Great strikeout pitcher, lefty. He's just—he's got so much to offer, and I think that uh, that he's going to be fine the rest of the way. I would easily buy low on him. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Price is if you look at his peripherals, they're basically identical to what they've always been. His Sierra is 3.47, which is barely above his previous two seasons. So so far, it's been a whole heaping of bad luck. His BABIP is 3.51. Obviously, that's well above the league average, way above what he's ever posted before. He's have had a difficult time stranding runners. He's given up eight home runs already in 44 and two-thirds innings, good for a 20.5 home run per fly ball rate. So we've never seen this type of pitching from David Price. And it's pretty crazy how long the struggling has been going on for to open the year. But my biggest concern right now is his velocity is down. He's throwing his fastball about two miles an hour slower than last year. So aside from his peripherals looking pretty good, Howard, I mean, is this something, do we expect that his velocity is going to slowly creep up the rest of the season? Or is this something to be seriously concerned about if you are a fantasy owner? I mean, you're always concerned when you've got a dip in velocity, always. Um, but one of the things that I, I really... That, that I think, you know, with a guy like Price, I think that he'll actually warm up in, a little bit more. I mean, if you look at some of the, you know, some of the starts that he's made that, you know, uh, that, that start in Baltimore, the weather was just a, a disaster there. You know, he made starts in, uh, in Chicago and in Boston. And, and you know, he's pitched, uh, he pitched okay in some of those, but he, de he definitely isn't himself right now. Um, I mean, obviously, when, when the velocity is down, you're thinking about the possibility of a shoulder problem. Uh, but there really hasn't been much indication there. So, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things where I think that, uh, you know, you've, you've got to suffer through a tough first month and, and give them the benefit of the doubt and, uh, and, and just kind of run with them. I mean, you, you can't trade a guy like Price right now because you're never going to get the value that, that you 
you you should be getting for him. I mean, unless of course he is hiding a shoulder injury and his arm is about to fall off, and you sell him, then you know obviously whatever you're getting is going to be gravy. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think that there's minimal concern with uh, with where he's at right now. Yeah, I mean, his strikeout percentage is down, but for the most part, his peripherals look pretty good. The velocity decline is a concern, so I don't know if I would go all out as a buy low, but I would kind of, you know, talk to his owner and, and see what it might take and, and try to get him at a, a decent discount. But I am a little bit concerned, but maybe not as concerned as if his uh, strikeout rate was below 8 or if his control was looking poor or if he was getting a lot fewer sh- uh, swinging strikes than he normally gets, but all of that is there. So I guess both of us of us are in agreement, kind of a, a hesitant by law. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably less hesitant than you are, um, just because I, you know, I mean, he he's just uh, to me he's a name that that if you're gonna go by low, then you kind of have to just be aggressive about it and get to it right now. Um, if you're hesitant, then it's going to mean that you're going to, you're going to hedge your bets a little bit. You're going to kind of negotiate back and forth with whoever your trade partner is. And, and you run the risk of all of a sudden him catching fire like that, making like two starts while you're in the middle of a negotiation and he's thrown 17 innings and allowed one run. Yeah. I have to say I am the best at heating players up. All I have to do is make a trade offer for a player and that hitter automatically hits a home run that night. (laughs) Never fails. All right, we got to move on, and and this is a question I actually asked you when we met in Arizona. How do you come up with your kicking rock pieces each week? Are you just the angriest fantasy owner in the universe? I think I'm just an angry person alive. <laughs> I think I think that I have slowly become that old man who sits on his porch and collects frisbees and <laughs> baseballs from those obnoxious neighborhood kids who are just playing too close to my yard, breaking windows and making a racket out there, right? Just irresponsible, and it all starts in the home. It all starts in the home. Now, do you? Um, have- so, I mean, you know, I mean, the funny thing about it is, is that as much as we think that we can be in control of our fantasy teams, our fantasy teams are so far out of our control. We can look <laughs> at the numbers and and talk about you know different you know trends that we're seeing till we're blue in the face. But the bottom line is, is that the players are people. And players are affected in a variety of different ways. And some get hot when they should, some don't. And it goes back and forth. So, you know, the whole kicking rocks thing is is basically, I mean, that's just, that's that frustration of something that you know deep down is so far out of your control, but you you so wish it was in your control. Like, I wish that I could call up certain prospects just so that I could, you know, something good can happen for my fantasy team, which is getting bit in the ass by the injury bug left and right this year. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's stuff like that that happens that it's just, it it becomes so frustrating because I think that we all, I mean, most people who play fantasy baseball, readers of fan graphs, I mean, they're passionate about it. They take this, this, this stuff seriously. And, you know, so every once in a while, you just you need to get that out because you know what? My wife doesn't want to hear it. And I'm sure that, you know, others out there, their wives, their girlfriends, their buddies at work don't really want to hear it, you know, when they start bitching about their fantasy team. So I, I like to provide a forum for us angry old folks. Did you? I, I, I'm pretty sure there was a group called like Wives or Women Against fantasy sports did you hear about this i remember reading about this a couple of years ago it it made some 
uh, pretty big news in the in the fantasy industry. And I don't know. Are you aware of this group? I am aware of this group, and this group, I'm sure, is a bunch of women that you know we wouldn't want to sleep with or hook up with anyway. <laughs> you know, I-, I mean, come on, seriously, it's it's a hobby, it's fun, and any healthy relationship, guy has a has certain hobbies that the girl doesn't have interest in, and the girl has hobbies that the guy doesn't have interest in. So, I mean, yes, if you're setting up a if you're setting up a group specifically to complain about the fact that your your spouse or, or significant other. Is a, is a fantasy sports junkie? Then you know, get out of the relationship. I, I'll find a girl who's you know totally. Uh, my my wife is totally into the fantasy sports. She loves fantasy football. She loves baseball. So you know, uh, now you're you're inspiring me to kick rocks about a, a a group of people right now. I might have to like throw a hate post up or something. Well, I did mention in the intro that we had something very special, a special surprise, and that was an audio kicking rocks. So unless you just kicked all of your rocks. Do you still have any rocks left over that you can kick to provide an audio kicking rocks for everybody right now? You know what? I guess while I've got the the Fangraphs listener or reader just at my you know at my my dri- dripping from words dripping from my mouth that, that they're ready to lap it up, then then I have a huge huge problem with people hiding behind the anonymity of the internet. You want to tell me that my article sucks? That's never happened. I've never seen anybody make a comment on any of our posts that they (laughs) wouldn't have made if their names were out there. What you're talking about. I love the guys or girls, whoever it is, that come back to a post. And whether I was, you know, if I'm right about it and they were wrong and this person comes back and says, you know what? Somebody just did that. I did a, a post on Justin Smoke earlier. Um, and I said to beware of his spring numbers. And this guy wrote this whole detailed thing about Smoke's uh, second or, or final month of last season. And, uh, and, and then he came back and, and immediately he was like, oh, I guess you were right about this. I respect that. And I would prefer to see that guy, uh, Wobatis, I believe is his name. I'd like to see him comment more and call me out on my crap when I'm right and, you know, and, and own up when, you know, when he's wrong. So I dig that kind of thing. But when guys just, you know, when they troll on my articles and, and then they don't have the, they don't have the balls to come back and be like, oh man, boy, did I sound like an idiot there? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, of course, all of us get that, especially when we do our tier rankings and you'll get argument after argument about why we're wrong and why they're right. And then they disappear for the rest of the season when everything that you said has been proven right. So well, that's that's the thing about rankings. That's the best way to, to, to elicit just, you know, monstrous hate rankings, you know, hate talk. Yeah, is, yeah. is to rank somebody because, listen, everybody has their own opinion about different right. players. And I might like a guy at number three and you might like the guy at number eight. You know, big deal. At the Absolutely. end of the season, we'll see who's right. Absolutely. Completely agree. And now let's get into the actual catcher tier rankings. Um, so I want you to first take us through your thought process. And this is something very important to me. Um, how did you decide to name your tiers after chili peppers, in descending order of hotness, measured, of course, by the Scoville heat unit scale. How did I come up with that? Because that's a because catch everybody wants a spicy know. bunch of guys. <laughs> come on, these guys are the backbones of every team. They may suck in fantasy, and they may be an afterthought to so many people because of their their level of production. But let's face facts: 
The catcher is the backbone of any baseball team in reality. And so I believe they deserve the spiciest of spicy ratings. Okay, next follow-up question. Have you ever actually eaten any of the hottest peppers named in your tears? No, I am like the biggest wuss when it comes to like hot stuff. I just don't do it. Spicy food is the best. It's my irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, excuses, excuses. (laughs) All right, so... What is your process for actually producing updated tier rankings, and how much weight do you give for year-to-date stats versus historical performance, especially now early on? We only have a month in the books. Um, you know, I mean, I basically I take what they've done for this first month. I mean, you can't you can't totally discount it because unless you're playing in a league where you can just replace the first month stats of of any player who's you know who's just completely sucking right now. You know, I mean, these stats are, are part of it. So you have to take that into account when you're just when you're ranking for fantasy purposes. But I take a little bit of that. I'd say maybe like I'd say I put maybe like 30 percent on what they've done over this first month and the rest and 70 percent on what I expect to see them do the rest of the way. So I'm more about, you know, that these rankings are. Yeah, these guys are, are, are where they are right now. Um, and the guys that are up at the top, those are the ones that are probably going to produce for you the most from this point moving forward. All right. So let's let's talk about actual players in your tiers now. And so in the red Savina Habanero tier, which includes players such as Miguel Montero, A.J. Pierzynski, Victor Martinez, Matt Wieters, Jonathan LaCroix, and Salvador Perez, who are you most concerned about ending up as a bust and gradually dropping in the rankings. Well, for selfish purposes, the guy that I, I don't want to see end up a bust that I fear the most would be Salvador Perez. Um, I love Sally. I think that he's been, you know, he's great for Kansas City. I think he's a great contact hitter. I think he's going to always have a, a rock-solid average. I think that his uh, that the power that he hit for last year in the second half, I, be- I, I kind of feel like that was a little bit of an overshoot for him. Um, as far as what his isolated power numbers were, so I expected his power to be down a little bit, but the fact that he's uh, that that he's just—it's not so much that he's unlucky, but uh, you know he's just—he's not off to a you know as good a start. I do think he'll heat up, but I mean it, it would just—it would hurt a couple of my fantasy teams if I had to go fishing for another catcher. Yeah, actually, Salvador Perez was the exact guy that I identified as well. I mean, the issue with him is that. He does make good contact, but he never walks. He all right. So right never. now, he has <laughs> one walk and 19 strikeouts this year. So the contact rate actually is way off this year. And I mean that that walk to strikeout ratio is 0.05. That is absolutely pitiful. Basically, pitchers have absolutely no reason to ever throw him a strike. I mean, he used to make good contact, but I think maybe pitchers are figuring him out that why throw him a strike? Why not make him chase? And when you're throwing pitches off the plate, it's obviously harder to make contact. It's hurting his power. His power is gone. So I think clearly of those hitters in your tier, he's definitely the biggest risk of being a bust this year. And and it's unfortunate because he was a, a nice sleeper for a, a lot of fantasy owners after a, a really strong half of a season last year. I mean, he had some intriguing skills. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of his, and I definitely think that that he's been incredibly impatient at the plate. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, you know, I know that the Royals, you know, to start the season, they've had a lot of postponements. They've had a lot of back and forth stuff. The weather has been, you know, incredibly crappy for them. Um, you know, I mean, he did. He he had an he had a decent spring. It wasn't phenomenal. He had a you know a minor showing in the WBC. So you know, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I think once the weather gets a little nicer and every he starts getting a little bit more comfortable, I think he just needs to relax right now. I think he needs like a couple of days off to just you know clear his head and learn how to take a walk. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever learn how to take a walk. You know, I mean his 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 walk percentage has just been you know a dog for you know for. His whole career. Yeah, I mean, he's basically the Vlad Guerrero path to to hitting. Oh, I'd love it if he could hit like Vladdy. Yeah, I mean, he. It's amazing because that's it's a compliment because obviously Vlad was a fantastic hitter, but it's so rare to be such a good hitter with that type of a skill set, and it just doesn't happen very often. So it's tough. It's a tough way to go about with hitting, obviously. All right, moving on. Uh, Yadier Molina, AJ Pierzynski, Carlos Ruiz, all three of these guys had big power spikes last year. Carlos Ruiz, of course, coming back from his suspension. Both Pierzynski and Molina have been solid, although the power has been a bit down this year so far. So of these three, who do you think has the best chance to sustain last year's power increase? Well, I think if I don't say Yadier Molina, then I think every uh, every Fangraphs reader that's ever commented on on a yachty post that i've done will will string me up and kill me they'll find me somehow um you know but uh you know i i think that yachty actually is probably the one out of the three that that will be able to sustain his production i mean i couldn't believe he took another step last year so you know it's really it's hard to to bid against him in that so you know if you're going to match him up and you're going to ask about like ruiz who i think was you know playing over his head a little bit and i also you know, I, I know that Ruiz has a case of uh, of plantar fasciitis right now. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. My doctor brother will kill me if I'm not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's going to actually that's going to take effect on him come the second half of the season. You know, it was nice that he had the first month off and uh, and he'll he'll kind of cruise through these next two months. But I think spending an entire year crouching behind that plate, I think that's going to aggravate that injury a lot. And I think he's going to end up missing a good amount of time in the second half. And then uh, and Przinsky, is that the other one that you had mentioned? Yeah. Or, okay, the third guy. So uh, you know, I mean, again, he, he way played over his head. I, I mean, he, he's never put up power numbers like he did last year. Never, not once, not once. And he's still, he's actually off pace right now for for repeating those numbers, even though he's hitting in actually a better ballpark for him. Um, with, you know, with a little bit better lineup protection around him, I think. Um, so I, I, I don't think he'll repeat, but, uh, but he's actually, I mean, he's, he's playing better than, than I thought he would right now. How about that? Yeah. Pizinski, I mean, it really helped that he moved to a ballpark that is great for left-handed home run hitting. Uh, I mean, Chicago was obviously also pretty good for power, but Texas is just as good. So that really helps. But I, I completely agree with uh, Yadi Molina of the three, I think he has the best chance to sustain just because he was showing a gradual increase in power that basically it spiked last year, but not as much as the other guys. Pierzinski and Ruiz, I think, were a lot bigger surprises and, and, and much more of a spike compared to their history. And I'm looking at Pierzinski's historical home run totals, and it's, it's just really <laughs> it's really funny because it's like, which one doesn't belong? All right, get this. Since 2005, 18 home runs, 
16, 14, 13, 13, 9, 8, 27. It's uh, right. What? He literally declined every single year, and then he more than tripled his home run total. Crazy. What? Yeah. Like what happened last year? I wanted. I don't know. You know, I I made the mistake of hinting that maybe, possibly, you know, there could have been some sort of maybe a substance, something. I you know. Yeah. And I think I people could've... jumped all over me. That how is that the first thing that you go to? And my feeling is, is you know what? How is that in this day and age, and with what we've seen in baseball, how is that not the first thing that you go to? It sucks that that's the first thing that you should go to. Yeah. But I mean, look at Pruszynski's numbers. I mean, that's ridiculous. There's absolutely. I mean, I don't care if you tell me that he tweaked his mechanics and changed his entire approach at the plate. You don't go from five years of steadily declining power numbers to a huge ass spike like that, uh, and and not have something a little going on. <laughs> It's true. I mean, I, I never like pointing the finger and talking about PEDs. And I'm not going to say that Pruszynski was on it, of course. But it, it's not something you see often, such a, a spike so late in a career of a catcher who just hasn't shown much power. You know, It's suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving along to Atlanta. Brian McCann is uh, set to be activated from the DL finally tomorrow. Now, right now... I think the Braves are okay because Jason Hayward is on the DL. He's not going to come back until probably the end of the month. So I told you not to bring that up in front of me. <laughs> so we'll get to Jason Hayward a little bit later. But but Gaddis, who apparently can play every position on the field, can play left field. So he's probably going to just move on to left field, and and they're not going to miss a beat. But I mean, what happens when Hayward re- returns? What happens with this McCann and Gaddis thing? Because unless Gaddis slumps. I mean, they. I can't imagine them sending him down to the minors. So what are they going to do? He's going to be their second catcher, backup first baseman, backup left fielder. He's not going to play. So what happens here? Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, that's definitely it's it's a tough call. I mean, a lot's going to hinge on on really on how well McCann comes back with the shoulder problem and if he can actually hit for for decent power. Um, yeah, I mean, Hayward's going to be out for a month. God, that kills me to even just say it. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think Gaddis is actually, I think he's a decent bat. And I think that, you know, even when, when McCann is coming back in order to keep him fresh, I think Gaddis should catch, you know, two to three times a week still. Um, as much as I hate interleague throughout the season, I think that that actually could help that situation uh, where they could end up DHing Gaddis every time they're in an AL park. So, I, I, you know, I think he's definitely – once Hayward comes back, I think that, that Gaddis will definitely lose value. Um, I don't think he's going to lose as much value as people think he's going to lose. And then there's also the fact that McCann is a free agent at the end of this year, which also – which then puts Gaddis into that conversation of, you know, I have him for cheap. Do I keep him for next year? Will he be the starting catcher for the, uh, for the Braves? Because – let me tell you something. If Gaddis is the starting catcher for the Braves next year, and I've got him for the dollar in my home keeper league that I have him for, well, you bet your ass I'm going to keep him. Yeah, I, I, and, and, the and the thing for the Braves, for the Braves that, that Freddie Gonzalez, Gonzalez loves, loves to play the hand, and Gaddis slumps, then you know McCann is going to play every day, and, and, and Gaddis is probably going to lose at bats. So I think Gaddis's uh, rope is uh, not very long, and especially when Hayward comes back. And so I think it's going to be a, 
a really interesting situation for fantasy owners that have Gaddis, even in two catcher leagues, because if Gaddis is one of your catchers and he starts slumping, he's just going to lose playing time and he might only play one or two times a week. Uh, but I want to move along to your Serrano tier because that was a very intriguing tier for me. It includes Wilson Ramos, Jason Castro, Chris Iannetta, Tyler Flowers, Kurt Suzuki, Jordan Pacheco, and Yasmani Grandal. And so what I want to know from you is who do you think of that group of players? Who has the best chance for a breakout this season? Um, you know, I actually – I've always liked Grandal. I really have. I think that he's uh, he's got a tremendous skill set. I know that, you know, uh, power-wise and, and Petco, even with the fences moved in, isn't going to be great. But I think that he's going to be able to hit for, you know, a, a decent average. I think he's going to, you know, get his knocks while he's on the road. Um, you know, I mean, he's back, I believe, end of May, early June is when the suspension comes up. And uh, and even, you know, I mean, listen, I, as much as I like Nick Hundley, I think that Nick Hundley will fade a little bit throughout May. And and the team will welcome Grandal in there. And I think that he's just going to be that go-to guy right there. Um, so I like him. Um, I think that uh, that he'll be a nice breakout. And, you know, I mean, listen, you got to love Tyler Flowers' power. You hate his batting average, but, uh, you know, the guy hits the long ball nicely. So, and like, uh, power-wise, he's probably the best out of that group, but he's also going to hit you like 210. Yeah, and considering his last name is Flowers, so you can say Flowers Power, I mean, that that's all too perfect. Ooh, like nice, nice little psychedelic 60s reference, but then we're getting back to AJ and some sort of substance, so let's just <laughs> move on. All right, yeah, I agree. I like Grandall as well. Great walk rate. And uh, so he'll keep that OBP uh, in a pretty good level. He'll score some runs. He's got some power. So San Diego is obviously a better park to hit in this year with the fences moved in. So, yeah, I mean, of that list, I think he is the best. I, I also kind of think Jason Castro has some decent potential, especially hitting third in the Astros lineup. Uh, but moving on, uh, we need to talk about D. Gordon, who already stole a base today, stole two bases yesterday. As we're talking, he may have stolen another four bases. Who knows? But, I mean, this is a guy who he basically needs to be picked up in every single league. Am I correct? Absolutely. I'm putting a fat head of D. Gordon on my wall over here in my office so I can make out with it. I love this oh, kid wow. so much. Now, I love this kid. Now we're getting a little uh, X-rated here. <laughs> Listen, I mean, what's not to love about this kid? I mean, yes, you know what? Listen, it's the same thing that they said when Michael Bourne first came into the league. You can't steal first base. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? That's fine. And D. Gordon had a had a bad year last year, um, and 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 you know he just he he was a terrible debut. But I mean, this kid was for two years running. He was in the top 50 prospects for Baseball America. He's he's solid defensively. So if you do get him in the field, you're not going to have to worry about him at short. And I mean, the speed on this kid is ridiculous. So yes, you know what? What I love most about him right now is that if you look at the numbers that he that he put up just in the minors over at Albuquerque right now, because it was like just over 100 at bats. And uh, and I don't know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me here, but. Uh, you know, he had like he had just almost just as many walks as he did strikeouts and his strikeout rate is lower than it used to be. And his walk rate is a lot higher. So I, I think that he's actually he's he's gaining a lot more in plate discipline. Um, he's also got you know, he doesn't have any, any home runs because he's got no power, but the dude's got like 10 extra base hits. So, uh, you know, I, and, and he's got like 14 steals out of like 16 attempts is uh, 
is is what he's done. So I think that he is actually, uh, you know, I, I feel like, and the fact that he comes from a baseball family and his dad's Tom Gordon, I think that kind of helps him along so that when he does struggle and he does have problems early on, he's got people that he can talk to that can reference it and can kind of help him along and know him, you know, tremendously on a personal level. So I think that that Gordon actually took the step ahead this year. And I think that what's going to happen is in, in, in L.A. is I think that the Dodgers are going to get Hanley back from this hamstring injury and they're going to push him to third because they are not going to want to take D. Gordon out of the lineup now. Yeah, if if this was a video podcast, you would see me nodding right now because that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that you see me jumping up and down in my chair right now? <laughs> that's yeah. exactly yeah. I mean, if D Gordon hits while Hanley is out, then by all means they're going to move Hanley back to third. Gordon's going to be the shortstop for the rest of the season. He's going to steal lots of bases and, and make people um, forget about Billy Hamilton because. Uh, D. Gordon is basically, I mean, he's probably a slightly lesser version of Billy Hamilton in the speed department. Well, everybody is a lesser version. But, I mean, this is this is Billy Hamilton now. And uh, the increased walk rate is uh, intriguing that he showed it in the minors this year. So I also think he has a good chance to move up in the lineup to either the leadoff slot and push Crawford into the number two slot or hit second behind Crawford. All he has to do is show, you know, have a good first week or two. I mean, there's nobody good in the, in the two slot. Mark Ellis stinks. So he could easily drop in the order and Mattingly might want – might like the idea of having, having two speed guys at the top of the lineup. So I think he has a real good chance to move up if he hits. But uh, before we end, I know you are itching to talk about Jason Hayward. And, and this is a guy who I'm going to remind everybody out there, oh, your 10 old predictions prior to the season, number 10, the Braves win the NL pennant while Jason Hayward earns NL MVP honors. And I'm going to comment on this post right now and saying, Howard, really? Jason Hayward, MVP? You are a moron. I'm not going to be signed in, so it's going to be an honor. Listen, I, I actually listen. I still love Jason Hayward, and yes, the start of the season was a huge bummer, and this appendectomy is just—I mean, that's just the, the the fantasy kick to the groin that you didn't need on top of it. Um, so you know, and, and the problem is, is that it's actually it's going to take him a little bit to to get his swing back. It happened to Holiday. It happened to Dunn. Both of them had appendectomies, and they were both fine afterwards, and they both hit for you know, for, for solid power, but it's going to take him a little bit of time to, to kind of get back into it. I'm not really sure what happened to Hayward this year. I mean, listen, we all know he's got the skill set. I mean, everybody that was, that was cracking on me as far as uh, when I did a, I did the, would you rather, would you rather have Jason Hayward now or Bryce Harper now, you know, for coming in, uh, keep him for this year. And, you know, and I sided with Hayward because I thought that he was ready to take that next step. I thought that Bryce Harper needed to build a little bit more. Look, I agreed um, with you on that one. What's that? I agree. I would have gone Hayward as well. So, you know, I mean, listen, it, it kind of, you know, I mean, it totally backfired. And, and his his start to the season was just is just atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Um, and I think that he uh, I think he just got into his head way too soon on it. I, you know, I, I, it's I, I'm not really sure exactly what it is, because he, he, this is the guy that, that in 2010, this was Bryce Harper. 
This is the guy in 2010 that everybody was like, this dude is a can't-miss prospect. He's amazing. He's a beast. Have you seen him at the plate? Have you seen him in the field? He's phenomenal. You know, it's like Dick Vitale in the NCAA tournament. He's like, oh, baby, I love this kid so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and he stunk it up and, and he had his struggles and and whatever. But he took it to a, a, a better level last year. And I really thought that he was uh, was ready to take it to another step this year. I still think, listen, I mean, <laughs> you could probably get him in your league for a song because guaranteed his owners are hating life right now. Um, yeah. And mired down in the doldrums because, you know, this is this is a guy that they took in the second and third round of their draft. So. You know, I think that, you know, second half wise, I think he could put up phenomenal numbers. Yeah, I mean, I I drafted him in my labor league. And so I'm thinking like, oh, thanks, Hayward. So you give me a couple of weeks of crap performance and then you get a random sudden appendectomy and now you're out for a month. Are you kidding me? But he does look like a a really, really great by low because aside from his power being down, uh, I mean, it's, it was only 58 at bat, so his power being down wasn't a big deal. But other than that, walk rate up, strikeout rate down. Um, he was hitting a ton of fly balls, which usually is good for power if he was actually hitting them over the wall, which he wasn't really doing. But he just looks like the ultimate fly If he was ball. hitting them out of the infield. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> assuming that his appendectomy doesn't actually affect his performance, which our own Jeff Zimmerman confirm that appendectomies in the past have not historically affected a hitter's performance, then he should get right back to where he left off and, and, and fully rebound and have the strong year just in a, uh, you know, a, in a shorter, shorter season. So I, I wouldn't be um, uh, nervous about trying to acquire him from an owner who just is annoyed uh, by what's happened early in the season with Hayward. Anyway, that'll do it for us. So join us again on Tuesday for more fantasy fun on the sleeper and the bust for Howard Bender. I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.